Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash Patchwork Heart Ministry today. Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry present Journeys in Faith. Now, here's Andy Santis. Hi, and welcome to Journeys in Faith here on this Friday evening. It's a blessing to be here with you during this Advent season. And I have two amazing guests for you today. I have Gretchen Ehrlichman and Victoria Clarizio. They are aspirants with the Labore Society. So I welcome both of you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, I always think it's a wonderful thing to host people like yourselves who are contemplating the religious life. And I think this is really the first time that we've actually had two people who are entering into religious life. We've had a lot of religious on the show because I happen to work for a religious order. I am the director for the St. Raymond Onatis Foundation for Freedom, Family and Faith, and we are with the Mercedarian Order. I don't know if either of you have heard of the Mercedarians before. Maybe, maybe not. A little bit, yeah. Okay, yes. So anyway, we're gonna talk all about you and your mission and your journey, and it's, it's an exciting time. So I'll first read uh, Gretchen's bio. So Gretchen Ehrlichman, had her life all planned out. She was pursuing a career as a classical musician, had performed on stage all over the world, and was getting her PhD in musicology when God beautifully and wonderfully changed the plan. That's great. Now she's an aspirant with the contemplative Dominican nuns of the Monastery of Our Lady of Grace in North, North Guilford, Connecticut. Make sure I pronounced that one right. Is it North? Guilford. Girlfriend, okay, and can't wait to enter into postulancy in the coming months. Gretchen is a native of upstate New York and is currently working as a music musician and teacher in the Washington, D.C. area. She loves to make music, study Gregorian chant, and drink coffee. Me too. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of our uh, viewers here. Gretchen is currently working with the Labore Society, fundraising to remove the obstacle of student loans for those wishing to give their lives to Christ and the church through the priesthood and religious life. So it's, a, it's an honor to have you here, Gretchen. Yes, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, I love your bio and I love your love of music too. So let's start there. Uh, how did the love of music start in your life? Yeah, um, so I guess, and you know, it's kind of ironic, but my love of music really started in church. Um, because growing up, my I have three sisters, and we were all part of a children's choir that would sing at um, a Sunday mass, and we would do rehearsals once a week and really sing a lot of sacred music, and it was really beautiful. And um, we had the opportunities to sing at different cathedrals and things like that in our diocese, and I just just fell in love with it. Like just not not only the idea of like making music and like the joy of that, but like making music for the Lord was something that I really, I really enjoyed. And I used to look forward to choir rehearsals every week. And um, then I started taking piano lessons um, when I was about nine years old and I really just loved it. And I found it to be a really wonderful and beautiful way to express myself. Um, and it just kind of became the natural course of events that I would um, go to school for music. Um, but at the age of 16, I became the organist at our uh, hometown parish because they um, started the program there where they were training young pianists to play the organ. Um, and then in exchange for lessons, you would play for the masses. So I became an organist and then I, uh, yeah, I decided to go to school for music. So I went and got my undergraduate degree in voice performance. And so I've studied opera um, and yeah, and, and it, it just kind of went from there. And then I went and received my master's uh, in voice performance and pedagogy. So not only performing, but also teaching voice. 
um, and then spent a year uh, after my master's kind of doing some performing and teaching in New York City and then um, decided to pick up and go and get a PhD in musicology. So that's music history and research um, in Washington, D.C. at the Catholic University of America. And it was when I was there that God was like, actually, I would love for you <laughs> to use your musical abilities for my glory all the time. Um, so that's kind of how, how my musical career kind of shifted into um, my, yeah, my vocation to religious life. Um, but it definitely took a, uh, yeah, a, a little time in my life to actually realize, realize that that's what God was asking me to do. Um, when I had gone and gotten my, um, my college degree, I started at that point to become kind of very distracted by wanting to achieve my own goals and to kind of really just pursue my career. And at that point in college, I would say that my kind of spiritual life was at a, a bare minimum. I was kind of a bare minimum Catholic. I was going to mass just on Sundays and holy days and, you know, kind of just going going through the motions, but really focused on my career. And this kind of followed me, this kind of really just pinpoint focus on on being a good musician, being a good performer, being a good musical academic, um, really followed me all the way until I graduated from my master's. And it was when I moved to New York City um, that I realized that I had done so many of the things that I had wanted to do. I had gone and sung um, in Europe. I had studied abroad um, in Germany. I was able to sing um, with I went to Westminster Choir College in Princeton, New Jersey, and they're one of the resident choirs for um, Carnegie Hall. So I got to sing on stages, really um, just wonderful and um, renowned singers and musicians. And realizing that I had done all of these things that I, that I really loved and I really enjoyed, and they were good and beautiful in and of themselves, but there was something within me that just felt like it was missing. And I just couldn't quite figure out exactly what it was. And so when I had moved to New York City, I thought, okay, well, I, I, I finished my master's, I'm you know, out on my own, I'm gonna do it. And um, I thought, well, what is, I really need to figure out what this thing that kind of is burning inside me is. And so at that point, I had become involved with the young Catholic group in New York City, um, part of it is being out of um, NYU, and that Catholic um, group is run by the Dominican Friars. And um, when I was there, I started going to lectures and different um, kind of events and really getting involved with a bunch of young people who were all very committed to their faith. And it was at this point when I thought, wow, I'm starting to feel like fulfillment in that that thing that I feel so, like empty. And I was very inspired by watching these young people my age kind of living their lives and, and pursuing their careers, and but doing it in a way that it was centered around Christ. And it was through Christ by which they were able to accomplish all of their, their goals and their dreams and, and you know fulfill their desires. And so at that point, I, I thought, well, that's, that's what I want. That's what I'm going to do. So I started becoming really involved. And then when I kind of last minute decided to apply for my PhD a little sooner than I thought, but over some prayer and some kind of uh, inspiration from some people who knew me and knew I wanted to go and get my PhD, they said, well, why don't you apply for a PhD? And at that point I thought, okay, well, Catholic University has an opening for the program that I want, so I'll just apply. And I said a prayer and I said, okay, Lord, if, if I get in, then I go. If I don't get in, then I won't go. Um, and so I got in and so I moved to Washington, D.C. And when I was there, I realized that it was so easy to practice my faith because there were so many masses on campus and there was the opportunity to go to adoration every day and to really engage with other young people who were radically and truly kind of pursuing their faith. And, um, and it was through that that I realized, well, God has given me these gifts and these talents and this desire to really pursue music, but like I feel most alive when the things that I'm doing in my life are for him. Um, and so then I was like, okay, well, what does this mean? I'm not really sure. And I actually really um, turned to the Blessed Mother and asked for guidance because I thought, well, she was 
kind of the perfect woman. She was the perfect wife and she was the perfect mother. And so I said, well, if I pray Mary's prayer, then maybe she will guide me. And so Mary prayed, you know, let it be done unto me according to your will. And I thought, okay, blessed mother, please, please help me. Help me to know the will of your son. And it was really in prayer to the blessed mother that I realized that I think God was calling me to be the perfect woman and the perfect wife and the perfect mother, but just in a way that was different than I had ever thought. And it just, as I started kind of surrendering and opening my heart to the possibility of really giving my life to Christ through religious life, I realized that I think that's what my heart has been made for, that that doing what God has designed me to do is what will make me a perfect woman. And doing what God has designed me to do is what will make me the spouse of Christ and will make me kind of a mother, not just to like my, not my own children, but to, um, to the church, being able to care and pray for the church as a whole, for the priests that serve the church, for, um, yeah, for the salvation of souls. And, and when I realized that there was a great peace within me, um, and yeah, and so I've been discerning with the Monastery of Our Lady of Grace in North Guilford, and God willing, I will enter uh, in the coming months. Oh, what a story. Thank you so much for sharing. I mean, I could hear that again and again, because it's just so beautiful how God acted in your life and how your eyes opened up to really what is important. So I just thank you so much for sharing. I wondered if you could also share a little bit about your faith when you were growing up, because I think a lot of times when we see people who do wind up going into religious life, not always, but some of the time they came from homes where uh, the faith was important in some oh, way. Yeah. So please, if you can share on that too. Yeah, of course. So growing up, um, my faith was always a, a huge part of my life. Um, I, As I said, I had three sisters and my uh, mom homeschooled us and we would always, um, so we did a Catholic homeschooling program. So our faith was just kind of part of our academic studies, but we also made an effort to go to daily mass as a family and to pray the rosary often as a family. And so it was a very natural part of my home life that we would pray together. We would learn about the saints. We would go to mass as a family, volunteer at different events in the church and things like that. Um, and I, I, I remember reading like the lives of the saints and just thinking that it was so cool. And, you know, I wanted to be like them. And uh, there was a a small amount of time, I think I was probably like nine or 10 years old when people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I had seen this brochure from this monastery of these nuns playing basketball. And I was like, that's so cool. And so for, for like two or three years, I was like, I want to be an athletic nun. And then as I grew older, I was like, that seems ridiculous, you know, but then, you know, the joke's on me because I mean, not so much the athletic part, but definitely the nun part. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I just kind of felt as you were talking, I, I something told me that you came from a home similar to what you said. Uh, it just so happens that I also homeschooled my daughters. They were homeschooled from uh, pre-K through grade 12. And um, yeah, so that, that's been, it was a blessing. And I'm all finished with homeschooling now and doing other things, as you can see. Yeah. But yeah, so so I understand. And I we were around a lot of families similar to what you just described, ones who went to daily mass, ones who prayed the rosary and had other uh, Catholic or homeschooling friends that they uh, shared faith with. So thank you so much for sharing with us, Gretchen. It's an honor to have you, as I said. Yes, thank you and so much. Oh, sure. Now, I thought we could talk about Victoria. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you so much for joining us here on Journeys in Faith. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'd like to read your bio, too. So, Victoria Clarizio felt God asking her, would you consider being a cloistered nun 10 years ago? She will be answering this call as a passionist nun in the coming months. Victoria currently lives in Connecticut, and works at a parish as a communications and social media coordinator. She loves to write, learn obscure facts about the Bible, and reread the Chronicles of Narnia. Victoria is part uh, a, a current part of the Laborate Society class and fundraising to remove the obstacle of student loans for those entering religious life. So what a wonderful bio. Thanks so much again. Uh, so Victoria, yeah, tell us, um, based on your on your bio and based on your life, 
uh, please share with us more how that came to life for you that you decided that you wanted to go in this direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also grew up in a Catholic family. Um, we also spent a lot of time at church and just very involved in our parish. Um, so I knew that faith was important growing up. And I always had this kind of vague desire to do something great for God. Also, like Gretchen, like learning about the saints and just being like, I want to be like them. Um, I didn't really know many religious growing up, so it's not something that I thought about doing. But when I was in high school, I went to a youth conference one summer. And I had this experience and adoration of feeling God asked me to give him everything. And I didn't know what that meant at first, but they had this thing where they asked all the young people who were open to discerning religious life or priesthood to stand up in front of everyone else. And when that invitation was made at this retreat, I did it. And it wasn't something I had thought about before. So it kind of just like in the moment, the Holy Spirit was just like, you should do this. And I was completely surprised. Like, I was like, what? You want me to be a sister? <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, so God kind of had the, to make that really obvious initially to get me thinking about it. Wow, um, amazing. Yeah, so I kind of planted the seed. Um, it definitely took me a few years to be more open to that idea. I, I was definitely afraid of what God was asking me to give up in doing that, especially like marriage and family and like, again, my own plans for my life. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, so as I got into college, I went to a Catholic college and I got involved in the campus ministry. I made some really good Catholic friends, started meeting more sisters, and we had a really good priest that helped me a lot in my discernment. And it was just like this growing desire of my heart to give God everything and to belong totally to Jesus. Um, and eventually I like couldn't run away from it anymore. So I tried dating and stuff like that. And Jesus was just like, nope, I want you for myself. <laughs> um, so yeah, so um, yeah, so during college I started learning more about religious life and visiting different communities and all that. And the time that I referenced in the bio that you read was one of my plans for my life was to be a foreign missionary. And one summer in college, I was able to spend in Tanzania doing some mission work, which was an amazing experience. But during my summer there, I kept feeling called to go pray in the chapel and to intercede for the people. And I was like, why, why is this happening? Like, what is wrong with me? And that was when I felt God asking me, like, would you consider being a cloistered nun? And at the time I said, nope. No way. I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he got me right? eventually. Yes, other plans. So. Yeah. yeah. But he got wow. me eventually. So well, you can see the joy inside of you and both you and Gretchen. Um, and mm -hmm. as I asked with the same question to, to Gretchen about your upbringing, tell us more about that. I know that you said your family was very involved in church. I just think it's a wonderful thing to hear that when families do foster faith, and they foster the sacraments of the church um, within the Catholic faith that you do see vocations like yourself uh, coming forth. Yeah, and actually my grandparents were also great examples for me. Um, yeah, my grandma who is still alive and my grandpa who has passed away, he was a deacon and they're just also like very strong in their faith. Um, so I think their influence was also very important in my life. I'm sure they're very proud. And I'm sure that we have some people watching here and thinking the same thing, that they're just so proud of you right now and seeing how God is unfolding, his plan is unfolding in your life and also in Gretchen's life too. And now you're friends and, and you're gonna be on this journey together. Tell us about that. What's that like for you meeting some wonderful uh, young women who are on that same path? Yeah, I yeah, would say- it's been Oh, go for it. <laughs> no, it's been such a gift. Yeah, we met through doing the Library Society together, which we'll talk about. But as Gretchen mentioned, her community is in Connecticut, and that's where I live. So we've gotten to spend some time together a couple of times when she's come to visit her community. 
Um, and especially since we're both entering cloistered communities, that's a very unique vocation. So to have someone that understands that calling has been huge. Yeah, I was gonna say it's been such a blessing um, to know Victoria because there are just very kind of particular like beauties, but also challenges to kind of getting from point A to point B to entering um, religious life, but then cloistered life. Um, and uh, it's been a beautiful way to to have a person there who is there to support, support so we can support each other and we pray for each other. Um, and just to realize that um, even though this this call is very particular, that there's others that kind of share in in both the the blessings and the challenges of it. And um, yeah, it's it's been a really great blessing. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Thanks so much for sharing so far. We do have so much more to talk about. I do want to do a little call to action too to our to our viewers and also those who are listening on the podcast uh, is that you can go to rescuevocations.org and you can learn about the Laboray Society. I'm going to read their mission. It's they exist to provide financial assistance and spiritual support to individuals who must resolve education loans in order to pursue a vocation in the priesthood and or religious life in the Catholic Church. So uh, this is, you know, giving season. We're here at the end of December. Uh, so if it's in your heart, I'm just inviting you to go to rescuevocations.org. Please do. So we're going to take a short break. We will be back in just a few minutes here on Journeys in Faith. Hi, my name is Anne DeSantis, and I'm the director for the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. You can learn about us on our website at nonatus.org. I'm here to tell you today about two great podcasts that I hope that you will tune in. The first Tuesday of every month at 8 o'clock, we have a podcast specifically for Catholics affected by divorce. From 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern, go to Philly Nonatus on YouTube to subscribe. In addition, we also have a podcast the last Thursday of every month. That's also at 8 o'clock Eastern Time for one hour. And that one is for families in crisis. We have some really great guests coming up soon, so hope to see you then. Please also consider the fact that you can make spiritual direction appointments with us, with our spiritual moderator. All you need to do is go to our website on the contact form and just reach out to us. We'd be happy to hear from you and look forward to setting up an appointment. So we'd love to connect with you. Please share this video and let people know that we're there for families affected by divorce and also families in crisis. Thank you. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. When I was young, in the 1950s, I attended Catholic Grammar School and I memorized the Baltimore Catechism. In fact, I think I got an A on all of my tests. Um, I faithfully attended Mass each week, not because I wanted to, but because I was afraid if I didn't, I would suffer eternal damnation. I followed all the rules. I followed my Catholic faith um, faithfully. But it wasn't until I became a wife and a mother and I began to try and pass my faith on to my children that I realized that everything I knew about Jesus was memorized doctrine. I can't even share with you how I was so rote in my faith. And I was attending this, but I was not present. I was a good man, I was a good father, I was instilling the sacraments into my family. Uh, I was definitely not intentional, I was stuck broke in my faith. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skill. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous meekness that empowered him to play the game. 
work and I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, 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 I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, okay, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it. Honey, you've been trying to quit and you've been saying this and saying that. And I'm, a, you know, he, his big line to me is, you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never follow through on them. And so this was week after week, month after month. He is looking at me like, this is a miracle. There is no way that you, on your own, could have done this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 through 21, St. Paul compares the sacrifice of the Christians to the sacrifice of Israel and then to the sacrifice of the pagans. Paul calls the chalice the blood of Christ and the bread as participation in the body of Christ and then warns his listeners that you cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons at the same time. So in other words, you need to decide what are you going to participate in? Are you going to participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice, which is in the Eucharist or not? Hi, welcome back to Journeys in Faith here on this Friday evening. It's so great to have you here watching as I have two amazing guests with me. I have Gretchen Ehrlichman and Victoria Clarizio. They are aspirants with the Labore Society. So welcome back to both of you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So right before the break, we were talking about Victoria's uh, faith journey and how uh, she became interested in doing what she's doing and how the Holy Spirit worked. I just want to bring you back, Victoria, and wondered if there was any other uh, anything else that you'd like to share about your faith journey, because obviously, you know, you came from the point that you're at where you were raised in a family of faith and then the Lord spoke to you. So what has life been like for you over the, over the last, say, five years where you were on that journey? Yeah, so as I said, I felt a pull towards possibly life as a contemplative nun um, a few years ago, but obviously it took me a while to say yes to that. Um, and yeah, it's just been this like, I guess just like purification and increasing desires of my heart that have become more and more in line with God's desire for my life. Um, yeah, and at the heart of my call has always been this draw to belong totally to Jesus, and that has just like gotten stronger. Um, and more specifically, I have felt very strongly called to be with Jesus in His Passion, which is how I was led led to the Passionist nuns. Um, and that's kind of a crazy story because I found out about them while I was on a, a pilgrimage to Medjugorje. So God had to take me all the way there to kind of lead me um, to this community eventually. Um, and that was through talking to a passionist priest um, and just telling him what I felt called to and him telling me I should check out the passionist nuns. Wow. And have you stayed in touch with him? I know that doesn't always happen, but uh, I wondered if I have. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, so I'm sure that he's looking on this and thinking, my goodness, uh, how God even used him, right? Yeah, how he used him in this whole process. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Victoria, could you tell us, because you were my initial connection, actually, you were a friend of um, a friend of mine. He's listening right now, watching this. His name's Bill Snyder. He is the founder of Patchwork Heart Ministry, and he's also my co host on a podcast. It's called Sewing Hope, and it's on Patchwork Heart Ministry on YouTube and Podbean and some of the other uh, podcasting outlets. Uh, so wondered if you could tell us, so how then once you applied and once you decided this is what I want to do, somebody's watching, what would be the next steps that they go through? To, A lot to, of it is just, okay. oh, sorry. Okay. A lot of it is just getting to know the community better and getting to know them. So over the past year or so, I've gone to visit the community. Of course, that's a little harder 
right with the pandemic going on, but um, I've stayed in touch. Um, yeah, so just spending time with the community like a week at a time about um, just getting to know them more and seeing if it's a good fit. Um, yeah, and just staying in frequent communication with the vocations director. Yeah, I'm familiar yeah. with all of it only because, as I said at the beginning, uh, some of the process because of what I do with St. Raymond Anatta's Foundation and the connection that I have uh, to a religious order mm -hmm. called the Mercedarian Order and, and knowing what I've learned about religious orders from them. So I know that there's a mm -hmm. process there. So uh, how about for you, Gretchen? How has the process been going from kind of what you were doing before, you know, kind of normal life, right, to now, you know, you're going to become a sister? Yeah. So when I first started to kind of feel this pull on my heart towards religious life, I thought, okay, well, I need I need help making some big decisions. So I actually got a spiritual director who was very helpful in helping me to kind of just figure out what the desires are that are on my heart. And when I first thought, okay, I definitely think I'm called to religious life, but what does that mean? And um, I had known some active religious sisters that were at Catholic University. And I thought, wow, that life's awesome. Like they do a lot of cool stuff, like they teach, like that's all the things that I do. So I should discern, you know, with an active community. And I, and I very much was interested in an active community. Um, but there was a little part deep, deep in, in down in my heart that was like, well, maybe contemplative life, like maybe God is asking me to do this. And I was like, but that's so scary. Like to go in a cloister seems very, very intimidating. And so I thought, well, like that couldn't, you know, I'm an extrovert. I, I uh, love being around people and talking. And I was like, well, that, can, you know, that's probably just something going on in my heart. That's not, we're just going to ignore that. And so, um, so I actually did start kind of moving towards trying to discern uh, active life. But then in prayer all the time, I just kind of felt the Lord saying, well, you know, what about contemplative life? And I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I should pray about this a little more. And um, over time, I think the Lord really did work on my heart to to help me to see that really I I believe my heart is made for a contemplative life, for a life wholly and entirely given to him, um, you know, through prayer and penance. Um, so at that point, uh, my spiritual director had recommended that I go visit the Monastery of Our Lady of Grace. Um, I felt very called to Dominican vocation um, because, as I had mentioned before, when I kind of came back in the full to my faith as an adult, it was through kind of this um, uh, young adult group that um, was kind of facilitated through the Dominican friars, and they did do a lot of preaching and um, uh, kind of lectures and, and the study of the faith. And it was by the study of the faith that I really got on fire uh, or, you know, was set on fire again. And so at that point, I, I contacted the community. I went and stayed um, in their little retreat area um, for a few days and just kind of felt the Lord working more and more in my heart. So at that point, um, I asked to make an application. And this past summer, I spent a, um, a month inside the cloister, which is called a month of aspirancy, which is part of the application process. And so then after that month, um, I either requested to enter into postulancy or not. I obviously asked to enter into postulancy and I've been officially accepted to enter once my student loans are paid off. Wow, incredible. Thank you so much. So uh, back to Victoria, I wondered, uh, and I'm going to ask both of you this question, but I just thought I'd start with Victoria is, so here we are, we're at the end of 2020. So what will be coming for you this coming year? What can you, what do you think you can expect? I know that God's always unfolding, right? So we don't always know, but for the people that are watching, so for, for you who was on this journey, and we're going to get to talking about the student loans and how people can help but what will be happening in your life over the next few months and next year or so? So I also have to do a longer live-in experience with my community, similar to what Gretchen did. Um, mine's will be three months and I'll be doing that starting the middle of January and then entering postulancy sometime in the spring. Okay, and where will you be located? Will be where you had mentioned before? Pittsburgh. You'll be in Pittsburgh. That's right. I know you and I had discussed that on the phone when we were talking about this show. 
So, so for the next year, you'll be in a couple different spots, but it will end up in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Amazing, good. Uh, and how about for you, Gretchen? So what will be coming the next few months in the next year? Yeah, so I, as I had said, have to continue my fundraising. Um, so I'm living in uh, DC right now, kind of just working and continuing um, to do the fundraising. And I'm hoping to, I've done all the steps I need to do to enter. So I'm hoping to enter in the summer. Um, so by the end of the summer, I hope to be in my little blue postulant outfit. <laughs> oh, amazing. That's awesome. Okay, so why don't we talk about, I think it's important for people who are watching, you know, the first thing that all of you can do as you're watching Journeys in Faith or listening on the podcast is please do pray for aspirants like Victoria and Gretchen and the wonderful mission that God has for them. And, and also for all religious vocations, I can't think of a time other than right now where we need it more than ever. So please do pray, offer your sacrifices for them. Now, uh, whoever would like to start, tell us about rescue vocations and, and how that works and also uh, where people can give. Start with Victoria. Um, so something that a lot of people don't realize is that communities can't usually accept people who have student loan debt. So usually a requirement of entering a community is to get rid of that debt somehow. So the organization that Gretchen and I are working with is called the Library Society, and they exist to help people like us fundraise to pay off our student loans. Do you oh, want to say a little bit more about how it works, Gretchen? Sure. Thank you. Yeah, so um, the Library Society, they usually have somewhere between 20 to 25 people doing what they call a class, which is a six month period in which we all work together to collectively fundraise for vocations. So Victoria and I have, I guess, 18 other classmates right now. And we have been working for the past six months to talk to individuals, to go to parishes, to speak to groups, um, uh, to share the story of our vocation, but also to ask them um, for their financial support and their prayers. Um, because as Victoria said, most people do have student loan and we can't enter into religious life um, with student loan. So this is kind of the best way for us to not only come together to support each other and to spread the word of vocations, but to realize that this is a way that we can invite the church into um, our, our vocation. And as as we hope to give our lives to the church and pray for the entirety of the church or serve the church or in whatever vocation um, one of the library aspirants is entering into, um, we realized that it's not possible without the rest of the church. And so we want to pray and give our lives in that way, but we ask that the rest of the church kind of um, give, give of themselves and enter into this vocation um, with us. Uh, and so we do that by just working together for six months and uh, yeah, and, and realizing it's not just for us, but for all of us and, and for the church as a whole. Thank you. And uh, it's just a perfect time for those who are watching to consider giving. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a large amount. I know that even those small donations make a big difference. And then they can also do it as a recurring. I'm sure that that, that, mm -hmm. that can happen also on, on the website there at re rescuevocations.org. I wondered if the two of you could say some words in case there's some people who are watching that either they or someone they know is considering a religious vocation. What advice could you give them in their prayer, in their thoughts, and in their interactions that how can they make that decision? I know that it's always you know the Holy Spirit working, but are, are there any things that they can do to help them foster it? We'll start with you, Victoria. Um, the first thing that came to mind was to find a spiritual director, which Gretchen mentioned. Um, someone to help you discern what God might be saying to you. Um, and that is kind of a more like outside objective person that can, yeah, help you figure out like what God is trying to say to you. Yeah, that's excellent advice. Anything else that you can think of? I mean, the most important thing is to develop a consistent prayer life. Like, that's where you're going to hear God speak to you. So if you're not doing that, like, that's, <laughs> you got to have that foundation for discernment. 
Oh, I totally agree. How about you, Gretchen? Any advice? Yeah, I think something that was really crucial for me was spending time in adoration. I would say anybody considering um, any vocation of any kind, just to spend that time before the Lord and be with him and realize that he's going to reveal to you um, your truest desires, I think it's really important. So as Victoria said, like cultivating a consistent prayer life, but if you're able to spend time in adoration, I would say that that's, that's really key. And it was key for me. Um, I think another thing it for me that was helpful was kind of reading more about spirituality and the lives of the saints and reading about about the way that we can journey with these role models of the saints and other kind of um, figures in the church who have gone before us and have lived holy lives and have given the entirety of their lives to God and realizing that sometimes through this kind of experience of reading their lives, there's certain saints that kind of pop out to us and kind of pick us as kind of their kind of spiritual children in a way and kind of lead us toward um, toward toward our vocation because we kind of see, you know, what about this saint or what about this person do I admire and do I see in myself? Um, and then I guess the last thing I would say is just to develop a, a strong relationship with the Blessed Mother because she's a mother to all of us and she can really kind of show us along the way. Oh, praise God. Thank you so much for sharing. I thought we could touch upon the topic of people who are watching or they know someone, might not be them, but somebody they know who's either going through some kind of anxiety, depression, um, suffering, and they feel very detached from their faith. Uh, and also people who weren't raised in the faith, that even if they uh, were introduced to it, it's hard for them to feel and see and experience the fullness of it because of everything that they've been through. And also maybe their familial experiences growing up where perhaps their parents or their families weren't people of faith. Uh, and I know that that can be also very hard too. Um, would you have any words of advice uh, for those people on how to overcome those uh, doubts of faith and also people who have been hurt by others. You know, there's a lot of that too. Um, Victoria, can we start with you? My first thought was to unite it to the passion. So <laughs> yes, I guess I'm really a passionist. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, just like the fact that a lot of times our response to something is, how can I fix this? Or um yeah just trying to like m make our feelings like go away or like i shouldn't be feeling like this um but i think if we just like yeah unite it with jesus's suffering um and just like give it to him that can be a really good first step now that that's very good advice yeah and i know that some people who are not familiar with a lot of the religious um, dialogue that we have as as people who are real like believers and celebrators of the faith. They might not understand what that means to give it to him, but that is a very good first step is to perhaps visualize him, right? Visualize him as a, as a human and and literally give it to him, as as you said. So thanks for that. How about you, Gretchen? Would you have any advice for someone like that? Yeah, I think um, even something that was helpful for me um, as I was kind of discerning this vocation is that I think a lot of us can struggle with feeling kind of detached or unworthy um, of his love and realizing that his love extends to the the depths of the oceans and across the mountains and to the ends of the earth because it's bigger than anything we could imagine. And along with his love comes his mercy. And then I really think that God does meet us where we're at. And I always used to come back to um, the uh, image of Mary Magdalene. And, you know, she she was broken and she had, you know, a bit of a hard time. And, and our Lord took her and, and showed her his love. And she loved him, you know, passionately. And then at his resurrection, she was the first to see him in, in his glorified state. And so I think you know, our, our Lord takes us where we're at and then draws us to himself. So I think realizing that we bring ourselves to the Lord and he's going to do the work. He's going to draw us to himself. We don't have to put in all of our effort to go to him, but if we open our hearts to him, he will draw us to himself. Um, 
And so I think that's that's a really good kind of way to think about it. And then also it's very hard, but even just realizing that there's an element of trust that goes with that, that we're allowing our Lord to 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 draw us to himself. And uh, even even when I was young, when I had first found out about the devotion to divine mercy um, and the image of Christ with Jesus, I trust in you, um, I became kind of very attached to those words. And through all the difficult parts of my life, um, I often will just utter the words, Jesus, I trust in you. Um, and even in times when it's really hard to truly feel it and believe it, just being able to say those words is a gift and a grace from God. And he hears them and then he comes to us wherever we're at. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. I have two more topics before we ended and they just, one just came to me and I think it is an important one. Uh, we've heard of the term nuns. Now I'm, I don't mean uh, like what you're going to be doing, right? Or what you're going to become, N-U-N, but N-O-N-E-S. And that's a term that means people who are identifying themselves as people who don't have any faith. And it's a known fact, and, and studies have said that a lot of the nuns uh, are people who are more in, in your age category. They are younger people or millennial age bracket. Uh, would you have any words to say to them who are watching and thinking, you know, I just don't have faith? We'll start with Victoria. I would say just to like be really honest with yourself and look deeply and like, recognize that or ask yourself is there something missing for my life like am i really happy like because i think as gretchen said and like i've experienced too like we both kind of had our own plans for our life and um maybe pursued worldly things at different points but we felt deep down that like something was missing like there's like a greater purpose for our life um and i think our world today we distract ourselves from that so much so easily to ignore that um yeah so i would just say like yeah just like really ask yourself like am i is there something more is there something i'm missing yeah that is so true thank you how about you gretchen yeah i think i would say you know faith itself is a gift from God. It's not something we can convince ourselves of or force ourselves to believe, but it is something that we can accept. And in order to receive a gift, you must accept that gift. And I think that a way to come to realizing that is, as Victoria was kind of saying, that once you strip away all these other things, and, and they may be very good and very beautiful things, but then kind of you know, what is left? Like, who is it that you turn to? Like, where is it that you kind of find something beyond yourself? Um, and a lot of times that's a discovery in God. Um, and realizing that if you just make even a little bit of space, like he will fill it. So that's kind of stripping those things away and realizing that you need to make a little bit of space. And also realizing, as I said, even though faith itself is a gift from God, God always and without fail gives us the grace we need to at least pray. So I would say even if you're struggling and you you know you you don't even feel in your heart that you can believe it, if you just go ahead and try to pray, that itself is a grace and God always gives us that grace. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Thank you. And lastly, I thought here we are. It's Advent. Christmas is coming up. Do you have any words to say about Advent or any Advent Christmas reflections? on how we can grow in faith during this time. Victoria, we'll start uh, with your opinion on that one. I think this is a time especially to unite ourselves with the faith of Mary. That's something I've been trying to do more intentionally this Advent. Um, I've especially been drawn to pray with the Annunciation. Um, I try keep trying to pray with other things and I keep going back to that. <laughs> Um, and just like yeah, asking Mary to prepare our hearts for Christ's coming um, and to imitate her trust and her surrender to God. Mm. Wonderful. I agree with you. I think this is a time to reflect on the gift of Our Lady, really. She's a gift to us and, and the relationship that we have with her. So thanks. How about you, Gretchen? Yeah, I've uh, this kind of Advent season been thinking a lot about kind of the of of waiting of of the desire of waiting 
and that waiting itself, um, you know, sometimes we think of it as being something kind of stagnant or just just being being what it is, but really waiting is an action, right? So that like in this action, we're preparing ourselves and that that preparation is a growth and desire. And I've been really thinking about, you know, in, the, in every Advent, we're uniting ourselves to, um, you know, reflecting on the actual events of waiting for Christ to come into the world and be born on Christmas Day. Um, but we're also kind of living out in a very special way our own waiting here on earth as we prepare ourselves particularly for our own union with Christ um, when, you know, God willing in heaven. And so it's kind of this connection to Christ's life himself and his physical life, but also kind of our own way of living out our anticipation of being with him and the, the beauty and glory of the Trinity um, in the life to come. I like that a lot. I've never heard it said quite that way. Um, so thank you for that from, my, from myself, too, because I'll reflect on that. Uh, we do have to end the show. I wondered if either of you had some final words. Um, and I just want to remind everybody to go to re rescuevocations.org and make your donation. This is the perfect time to help Victoria and Gretchen. Victoria, did you have any final words? Um, I mean, I think just like that Gretchen and I will be praying for everyone, especially as we enter into our vocations. And as you said, Anne, please pray for us as well. <laughs> yes, thank you. And Gretchen? Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, Victoria and I, um, I'm sure, are both just very excited to have been able to share our stories and to invite everyone into our vocations. And as she said, um, we will continue to pray for you, and we ask for your prayers as well, um, because it takes the prayers of everyone in the church um, to bring us all um, to show the greatest glory of God in our lives. Amen. And I thank you both. Uh, I'll, I will be praying for you. And, uh, and again, thank you all for watching here. I wish everyone a happy Advent, and we will see you here next week on Journeys in Faith. Journeys of Faith is a production of Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry. For more information about Journeys of Faith, email info at fiatministrynetwork.tv. And be sure to friend, follow, and like us on social media. Just search Journeys in Faith with Anne DeSantis.